You're listening to Straight from the Heart, the Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel, Philadelphia. Our teacher here on Straight from the Heart is Senior Pastor Joe Foch. We're currently in the New Testament going verse by verse through the book of Mark. On today's broadcast, we'll continue our study beginning in chapter 5. Before we finish, I'll give you some additional information so you can contact us with any questions or comments. But first, open your Bible to Mark chapter 5, and let's join Pastor Joe as he continues. And he suffered no man to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. And we always wonder why these three, you know, certainly Peter would have a prominent position in the church. John would not be martyred. He would live uh, into his 90s. James was the first martyr. Why these three? Um, Some speculate that these are the three that would always get in trouble if they weren't with him, so he took them with him. (laughs) He took Peter, James, and John, uh, the brother of James, And he cometh to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and seeth the tumult and them that wept and wailed greatly. Now, they they were professional mourners. The Talmud said even the poorest person upon the death of someone in their house had to have at least two flute players and one wailer, professional crier, wailer. Uh, and, and understand in the culture, this girl would be wrapped and by the end of the day be in a tomb or wherever the family would have means to bury her. Uh, they didn't mess around because of the temperature. That it was it, a dead body was unclean. Um, certainly, friends or relatives would hear. But if in the village, all of a sudden you heard the musicians, and normally you had a number of people wailing and crying, making and and Jairus was a man of means, a ruler in a synagogue. You hear that big commotion. There's no CNN. There's no phones. There's no emails. People would come and see, knowing that someone had passed away. So there's this big scene going on at the house of Jairus. A tumult. It calls it here. It means a big noise. They're carrying on, they're weeping and they're wailing greatly. And when he was come in, he said unto them, why make ye this ado? What's the big deal? And weep. The damsel is not dead. She's sleeping. And they laughed him. The tense is they continued to laugh him to scorn. It means they began to mock him. Sleeping. Hello, we're professional mourners. We did a funeral earlier today. We got one lined up later and uh, we do this for a living. She is as dead as a doornail. I don't know what your credentials are. We're professional mourners. Now, a moment before this, they had been wailing and weeping. Now they're laughing and mocking. So, you, you know, you're paying a lot of money for those crocodile tears, those fake tears, the big act to go on. Uh, a moment later, they're laughing him to scorn But he, when he had put them all out. Now, wouldn't you like to see that? Because the language indicates some force being used here. When he had put them out, he taketh the father and the mother of the damsel and them that were with him, Peter, James, and John, and he entered in 
where the damsel was lying. It's, it's very interesting. It, it says that he proceeded and it speaks of the walk. She was in another room in the house somewhere. She was lying there dead. He puts out, no doubt, in the courtyard or the very front room, these mourners, puts them out, and then there's a procession. He takes the mother and the father. It's quiet now. They're gone, Peter, James, and John. And there's that walk. How long was that hallway to that room? Jairus is probably thinking, I should have been there. I should have been there. My sweetheart is gone, and I wasn't even there. The mother's already been in that room and seen her. He proceeded with them. It speaks of a walk down a corridor. They, it's a very interesting description. He entered in where the damsel was lying. He took the damsel by the hand and said unto her, Talitha kumai, which is being interpreted, damsel, I say unto thee, arise. Now, Peter was there. So Peter, who had mentored Mark for a while, gives him, Jesus no doubt spoke Greek, Jesus spoke Hebrew, but Jesus also spoke Aramaic, a Syriac, form of Syriac. And this is Aramaic. So it's, it gives us, Peter was there, he remembers the exact thing that Jesus said when he raises Dorcas, he'll see a very a similar thing to Talakumai in the book of Acts chapter 9, I believe. Peter was there and heard Jesus in Aramaic say Talakumai, which is little lamb arise, but it also is in the diminutive. And it's not speaking of something you would say to a small animal. It's something you would say to a small girl. And, and even more than the word daughter, this is the word that means sweetheart. Jehovah God, come in human flesh. Jehovah God, standing over a 12-year-old girl. Emmanuel, God with us, walks in, throws out the scorners, the mockers. He takes her by the hand and says, Sweetheart, arise. Where was she? Luke says her spirit came back into her again. You know, sometimes you hear people talk about soul sleep, not in the Bible. That when a believer dies, they sleep in their body in the ground till the resurrection. That's ridiculous. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. When Elijah raised the widow's son. It says he laid on him three times and his soul came back into him again. It had departed. We see in the book of Revelation chapter six, the souls of those who had been beheaded for their testimony in heaven saying, how long, O Lord? They're not sleeping in the body somewhere. The shell was there. Her spirit had departed. Luke says it came back. Where? How far? Does all of heaven hear a tender from the voice of Jehovah in human flesh. Amazing. How long was that journey back to the body? Talithakumai, which is being interpreted damsel. I say unto thee, arise, heard in the spiritual realm somewhere. And straightway, immediately, the damsel arose and walked. She didn't rehab. 
She didn't have to overcome the fever, whatever killed her. She arose, she walked, and she was of the age of 12 years, and they were astonished with great astonishment. I bet they were. I bet they were. And he charged them straightly that no man should know it. <laughs> well, he had told everybody else she was asleep. She wasn't dead. So he, he charged them that no one should know it, commanded them that something should be given to her to eat. And he probably said, and get your money back from those wise cracking mourners that you paid to scream in the house that think they're so smart from those smarty pants that were out there. Interesting. We have three resurrections, you know, in, in the ministry of Jesus. We have one in Capernaum, one in Nain, and one in Bethany. All three cases. Here we have an only daughter. In Nain, we have an only son. And in Bethany, we have an only brother. And one who understands losing an only more than anyone, an only begotten son seems to stoop and call them back. She wasn't called back for her, no doubt. Imagine what had been before her eyes, what she had been seeing. <laughs> she was called back for them. She was called back for the disciples, for the mom and dad. She was called back for us. She was called back for us. <laughs> I remember we were living on the, the West Coast and there was a Billy Graham crusade and the ministry I was in, some of the guys were ushers and somebody dropped dead of a heart attack on the steps. This guy had only been saved about a month. He was like a very wealthy guy, but he had been very corrupt. He got saved out of all that. He was just in love with Jesus. And the paramedics came in and paddled the person, tried to get them back right there, worked on him for 15 minutes or so, couldn't get him back. And he steps up and says to the paramedics, I'm a Christian, mind if I pray for him? And he was an, had an usher's badge on, and they said, no, go on, you know. And he bent over the guy, put his hands on him, and said, Lord Jesus, I pray in your name that you get this guy up again. And he said, in Jesus' name, get up. And the guy's eyes popped open, and he got up <laughs> right in front of the paramedics. Now, it seems that Jesus is very... <laughs> slow to bring people back, you know, and we could look at this daughter, you know, here and say, well, she's only been dead, you know, 10 minutes, you know, hey, we, you know, get out the paddles, you know, clear, you know, we can get her back again, you know. Uh, but what about the widow of Nain's son? He was already wrapped on the funeral bier being carried to the sarcophagus. He'd been dead all day. He was already wrapped. Hard to bring back somebody who's been gone for, for six hours. The best one, of course, is Lazarus. <laughs> Roll back the stone, but Lord, he stinketh. Gotta love King James. That beats any of your translations. He stinketh. Four days. When Jesus said... Lazarus come forth. A miracle of creation took place. His blood reconstituted, his organs reformed, his eyes firmed up, his color returned. See, Jesus wanted to put one that was really dead in front of us because most of the ones we know are coming back from that or worse, right? 
And, and you have to understand, all of these people, they never read the chapter. Jairus didn't say, that's all right, let him, let him take care of the woman with the blood flow. This is going to be great. Wait till you see what happens at my house. This is my favorite chapter. I love this. Just wait till you see what goes, goes down here. And he didn't know. The widow of Nain, she didn't know. Mary and Martha said, if you had been here, Lord, our brother would be alive. How would Mary and Martha have felt again if the Lord had said to them and they knew the chapter, okay, instead of four days, it's going to be eight days. Well, what if they'd have known the chapter? They'd have said four days. You know, this, it's going to be remarkable, but it, you know, it's hard. You know, what would have been for them sitting around wait, waiting? They'd have thought, I'm never going to hassle Lazarus. When Laz comes back, I'm, I just miss him. So I'm never going to hassle him again. I'm, not, I'm never going to bother him about this. And I'm never going to, you know, nag him about his habits that I know I'm never, you know. Or what about if it had been eight days? If God had said, look, it's going to be eight days. You think they could have waited? What about if it was four weeks? I think it would have been much harder. But I think they could have waited. What about if he said four years? You see, what about 40 years? What about 400 years? We do know the story. And we do know that our loved ones are getting up again. We know the chapter. And that we know Jesus Christ, the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings, who's going to step right into the face of death and say to all of us and our loved ones, come on, gang, get up, get up. And we're going to rise. It tells us this in, in John's gospel. Jesus says, marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in the which all that are in their grave shall hear his voice, the Son of Man, and shall come forth. They'd have done good to the resurrection of life. They have done evil to the resurrection. And, but he just says, don't marvel. The day's coming when everybody's going to hear the voice of the Son of God, not just Lazarus come forth. And he's going to call us forth, you know, good friends, loved ones. They're going to get up again. Well, man, they've turned to dust. That's why he waited four days. To raise Lazarus, it had to be a miracle of creation. It wasn't like Talitha Kumai. He was gone. He was moldy. He stunketh. <laughs> Resurrection. What an amazing thing. What an incredible thing we have to look forward to when he comes. He went out from thence and he came into his own country, Nazareth, that area. His disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogue. This is different than Luke 4.16, where he opened the scripture and read it from Isaiah and said, this is today, this is fulfilled in your ears. This is a second time. And hearing him, they were astonished, saying, from whence hath this man these things? And what wisdom is this which is given unto him that even, um, that even such mighty works are wrought by his hands? This is Nazareth. Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, Joses, Judah, and Simon? Are not his sisters, plural, here with us? And they were offended at him. They knew him so well, they didn't know him at all. Familiarity can breed contempt. He grew up in that village as a carpenter. Isn't this the carpenter's son? 
They didn't say, oh, he just got back from Tibet or India or something. They said, this is the carpenter's son. It says in Luke, he went into the Sabbath as was his custom. They said there also the first time that he grew up here. Here it says, isn't this the carpenter's, isn't this the son of Mary? His brothers, James, Josie, Judas, and Simon, they're not here. So he had, it was at least five boys and two girls, at least seven kids with Joseph and Mary. And they're all Joseph and Mary's kids, they're, except Jesus, he's, he's Mary's. They were offended at him. And Jesus said unto them, a prophet is not without honor, but in his own country and among his own kin and in his own house. That's repeated in Luke 4, 34 and John 4, 44. Jesus says that several times. And look, I say it to you because... You know, you get saved <laughs> like I got saved. It says, henceforth, we know no man after the flesh, but after the spirit. When, when someone in our family is saved, when someone gets saved, when you have a friend that gets saved, there's something new about them and we resonate them. We have the fellowship with the spirit. But for the unbeliever, they can't believe. There's people that come here just because I'm the pastor and they can't believe you let me be that because they knew me B.C. Some of them gotten saved, so that's wonderful. But, you know, henceforth we know no man after the flesh, but after the spirit. And they looked at Jesus. They knew him after the flesh. And isn't it interesting? Their expectation limited what he did in their midst. It said he could not do many mighty works there, save that he laid hands on a few sick folk and healed them. Their expectation and impression of him limited in some way what he did among them. There were a few that come that believed and he laid hands on them and healed them. There were a few miracles. And it says in verse six, he marveled because of their unbelief. And he went round about the villages teaching. He marveled. Well, you have to do something to make Jesus marvel. The only other place in the gospels where it uses that word is with the centurion and uh, it says that Jesus, when Jesus heard it, he said, he said, I have men under me. I say to one, go and he goes, another come and he comes. You need only speak the word. My servant will be healed. And it says, when Jesus heard it, he marveled. It's the only other time he marveled. He marveled there at the centurion's faith. Here he marvels at the unbelief of his own people that he grew up with. The own people, he knew their faces, he knew their family names, he knew their houses, he knew their kids, he knew their grandpas and grandmas. And because they said, wait a minute, this is the carpenters, this is Mary's son, his brothers and sisters are here, this guy's not, you know. And they were offended. Jairus expects great things. The woman with the blood flow says, if I could just get near him, if I could just touch him, I know that he'll heal me. The people that knew him best said, who does he think he is? The Messiah or something? He grew up here among us. We know his brothers. He hung doors in my house for me one day. And they were offended. And it says, because of that, he didn't do many mighty works there. Let's not ever be so familiar with Jesus that we don't expect great things from him. Again, this mom, the Calvary, one of the ones on the West Coast, Whittier, where I first got involved with Calvary there and I led worship and taught the midweek study there. 
there was this mom that brought this, this little boy and he was blind and he was deaf. And he was about two years old, going on three. And she brought him for prayer. And we prayed for him on a Sunday night. She'd come every Sunday night. She didn't come Sunday morning. She was like some of you. And, uh, and, you know, I mean, this goes on for a month or so. Every Sunday night, the elders gather and pray for this little boy. You know, and after a while, the elders are thinking, well, come on, mom. What is this, an every week thing? But you can't say that to a mom with a blind little boy. We prayed for that kid for a year. 52 weeks. May have been 53, may have been 54. We prayed for a year. Our expectation was long gone. She was still believing. And one night when we were praying for that little boy, he received his sight. And let me tell you something. When that happens, the meeting does not end. There's nowhere to go. You just stay there right attached to the situation. You don't want to turn and walk away. He got healed, looked up at his mom. We just looked at each other and bowed our heads again and started praying all over again. <laughs> oh, Lord, forgive us. Oh, Lord, you know, just there's nowhere to go. And evidently he had been deaf. He was mute because he had been deaf. God healed his ears too. And by the time I moved, he was catching up to his grades in school. He began to speak. He was hearing. And the Lord gave that little boy to his mother. And we were not expecting it. Our faith was so impoverished. So we see it. We don't blab it or make it a big deal because Calvary Chapel, elders, pastors, nobody should get the glory but Jesus Christ. And the people tell their friends, they, you know, but my encouragement to you is, look, what a difference between these people in Nazareth and this man Jairus, who finally reaches his breaking point, knew about Jesus, refused, 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 but desperation made him genuine. And he ran to Christ and fell down in front of him. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The woman had heard. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. She had heard and said, if I can only touch his garment. She expected great things. Now look, faith, healing. Please take note. You know, the problem with you and I is if we see something happen one way, one way or another, we want to start a denomination. Jesus spits, makes mud, puts it on the guy's eyes, and he sees. So then we want to start the, the, the spit and mud denomination, you know. <laughs> or, or Jesus says, go to the pool. You know, he, 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 you know he, he does thing one way here, one way there. And then right away, we think that's the way. We want to, we want to franchise it and methodize it. And we, we just went with Jesus through... A storm at sea, he rebuked in the wind and the sea, the wind and the sea didn't have any faith. He healed the demoniac, it wasn't because of the demoniac's faith. Jairus comes out of desperation, we're not sure where his faith is. The woman who comes and touches him has faith. Jairus' daughter gets raised from the dead, she didn't have any faith, she was dead. So, you know, the, the important thing in all of those scenes is Jesus, he's the constant to come to him. Jesus is the one. Jesus. There's not a method. He may work in our lives one day today and another way tomorrow. He's wonderful. He stoops to us. He condescends. All through the Old Testament, he is the becoming one. I am that I am. He becomes what we need him to be in our need. He is that gracious. Instead of 
demanding that we become what he wants us to become, he becomes what we need him to be. And even the work that is in us taking place, conforming us into what we should be, is a work that he has begun and will continue until the day of Christ. He's gonna continue the good work he began in us. So you guys expect great things from Jesus Christ. Please don't grow cold in your heart and think the Lord's never gonna hear me. He's never, we never know when and how. He does great things and he still does them. That concludes our teaching time here on Straight From The Heart. If you enjoyed today's message from Mark chapter 5 and would like to hear it again in its entirety, you can listen to it on our website for free at www.ccphilly.org. Just go to our homepage and click on Listen to Current Messages, then select Straight from the Heart and click on the study with today's date. Today's message number is SPM 537. That's SPM 537. You can also listen to today's teaching from Mark chapter 5 or any other message from Genesis to Revelation by downloading our free app on your tablet or mobile device. Just go to your app store and search for Calvary Chapel Philadelphia or go to our website and click the link for the mobile app. In addition to our app, you can also study the Bible with Pastor Joe by subscribing to our Straight from the Heart radio podcast, available on Apple, Google, and Spotify. For more information on this broadcast or Calvary Chapel, Philadelphia, don't forget to visit our website at ccphilly.org. Thanks for listening, and remember to join us next time as we continue with more great Bible teaching that comes straight from the heart.